our society, if you've, unless you've been living on a rock, more and more anti-Christian. There was a, a poll that they did, a, a study, and the, the results of this poll came out this week, and they found that 63% of Aussies, more than half, 63% of Aussies, reckon that religion does more harm than good. Religion does more harm than good. So if you kind of went to Aaron Affair, more than half the people, statistically, would reckon religion, including Christianity, does more harm than good. Now, I'm not going to be talking too much about you know, marriage and that kind of stuff tonight, um, but many people, many people out there in society who would, would say that Christians who hold the traditional view of marriage, who hold actually God's view of marriage, are actually anti-love and anti-equality, they would say. And in fact, some Christians maybe have seen this. Some Christians who have kind of been proud and public about saying, I'm going to vote yes, they've been celebrated as heroes. I don't know if you've seen that. And so if there was ever a time for Christians to stand up and show genuine love, it's today, in 2017. Jesus said to the world that, Jesus said, the world will know that you are my followers by your love for each other. And so here's the big question I want to look at tonight from this passage we looked at that Abby read. How can we be a genuine community of love? How can we be a genuine community of love? I'm going to pray because uh, I need God's help. This is a big thing. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the love that you've shown us. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we uh, look at your word tonight that you would change us. I pray that you transform us, that you challenge us, that you give us great conversation afterwards as we wrestle with it as well and apply it into our lives. But help me to be faithful and clear and help us to engage. And I pray that yeah, our love would be a display uh, to the world that we are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you're, if you're still kind of new or figuring kind of how stuff works at EV Youth, what we do is we just pick a book of the Bible, there's 66 books, pick a book and go through uh, a book of the Bible every term. And we're looking at the book of Philippians, which is a letter, uh, not to the Philippines, but a letter to the, this place called Philippi. I think we've got a map um, up here somewhere. Um, yeah, a map, or kind of, maybe you can't quite read it, but Philippi is kind of up the top there. It's kind of in like modern day Macedonia, Greece. Um, and so Paul um, planted a church there. Uh, you can read about that in Acts 16. That's kind of what we're looking at uh, this term. Um, it's a letter. Uh, who's, who's, who wrote, who's written a letter this year? Has anyone even wrote? A few people have. Oh, it's good. More than I thought. Yeah, letters. Letters are kind of something we don't do. Heaps of you guys are still with it. That's good. I reckon I'd get more brownie points with Sarah if I wrote her some letters. But, um, but this letter we're looking at... We're calling this series Rejoice because Paul, who's writing this letter with his apprentice Timothy, he is so overwhelmed with joy. In fact, he says the word rejoice seven times in this letter. Uh, And the bit that we looked at tonight, um, it's going to show us, it's going to give us an insight about how we can be this genuine community of love. I'm not sure if you ever kind of read crazy passages in the Bible that um, you know, just feel kind of so out of whack with our experience. Maybe you, you read Jonah and you're like, man, I've never been swallowed by a fish or anything like that. Or I've never kind of seen a dude walk on water or I've never seen, you know, someone get heckled and then suddenly bears come out and eat the hecklers. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. It's in, in 1 Kings. But um, there's some crazy stuff that happens in the Bible. But one of the things that blows my mind actually is this guy, Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's a guy who he's probably writing this letter from jail. He's been beaten up. He's been in jail multiple times. He's been flogged. He's been kind of shipwrecked. He's had mates abandon him. And yet he's just so overwhelmed with love. How is that possible? And how do we apply this today? 
We're going to say three things uh, from this passage that will hopefully help us be a community of love. They all start with R. Hopefully that helps us remember. The first one actually is we need to remember who we are. Remember who you are. It's the first thing I'm going to say. Who even are you? Who even are you? That's a, maybe that's a question you've had yourself. Maybe you've had that asked of you when you've done something weird. Maybe if you've had a quiet moment of reflection, you kind of start to ponder, like, who, who really am I? Maybe you've kind of never really given yourself enough time to really think about that question. This letter, it gives us an incredible insight into who we are. Open up Philippians chapter 1. Check out verse 1, the very first verse. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. God's holy people. If you're a Christian, that is what you are. You are holy. Another translation, which I reckon is maybe even more helpful, it says, we are saints to the saints. It's perhaps a little bit easier to understand, but what is it trying to say? Well, sometimes you're not sure what the Bible's saying. You just keep reading. So check out verse 2. Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're holy, if you're a saint, it means you've been given two things in particular. Grace and peace. Grace, it just means gift. Grace is the gift of Jesus' life, that he died for us, that he got nailed through the hands, he suffocated, he gave up his life so that we could be in God's family. The gift of being saved, your ticket to heaven, eternal life, gifts, spiritual gifts to help us live and serve him. But also, he died so that we could have peace. Peace. Because we're jerks to God, we're selfish. We turn our back to God. We don't live up to his perfect standards. God should judge us. He should declare war on us. That would be fair. That would be just. But no, he says we have peace. Because this gift of grace, we have peace. So grace and peace is not just come some kind of classic old school intro. No, no, grace and peace are two gifts that God's given us because we are holy if we are Christian. So that if you have put trust, your trust in Jesus, you are holy. Another way of I, I found it helpful to just understand holy is that we're wholly forgiven. We're wholly new. You're clean. You're a saint. Not because you're better than other people, but because of what Jesus has done. Imagine if, imagine if I did something terrible, something crazy. Imagine if I took Sarah's hand and shoved it in a blender. Shoved it in a blender. What would you think of me? What would you think of me? What a jerk. Like, Mike, I'm glad we got rid of him. I mean, he's always trying to, like, you know, meet, meet me and shake my hand and give me high fives and stuff. That could have been me. That could have been me. But what would happen? Look, I'd probably, in all seriousness, I'd probably go to jail. You know, I'd get 10 years or something. Like, that would be a, a horrendous thing for, someone, for, for anyone to do. But imagine then if I was in jail. I was in jail, right? And I kind of understood, actually, wow, that was really a jerk thing to do. I'm really sorry. And over the 10 years, I prayed, I asked God for forgiveness, and I, and I came to this awareness that that was just really a, an atrocious thing to do. Um, but you guys would still think of me as the kind of weird hand guy. Like that would be that'd be a kind of a, a hard rep to, to get rid of. But so imagine I went to Hawaii, right? I just kind of went somewhere, um, like on the other side of the world. I'm going to start again. And there you go. Yeah. Imagine I went to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I went somewhere like pretty far away where no one would recognize me. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and, then, um, and then so I was like, you know, people in Hawaii like the Aussie accent. I was just kind of chilling out with them, surfing, having a good time, drinking from coconuts. You know, I was, I was, just, I was just doing things that Hawaiians do. Um, like my, I had this brand new reputation, even though people, you know, people back, back in Terrigal, back, you know, back at Erina would kind of think me as this weird kind of guy who put his wife's hand in a blender. I'd have this brand new reputation. I'd be, have this new identity in Hawaii. But then imagine, right, if Sarah came and sought me out and said, where's Mike? He's gone very, very far away, clearly. Um, and imagine if she went to Hawaii and found me and said... Mike, I love you, I forgive you, and I want you back. You've done something bad to me, but I forgive you, and I actually want you in my life. That's the forgiveness that we've got. We've done something like horrific to Jesus. We kind of think our sin doesn't seem that bad, but actually, it's kind of like ripping up Jesus' hand. I mean, our sin, it's so bad that Jesus literally had his hands ripped up for us. Our sin is so bad against God, except we didn't do the jail time. Jesus did. Jesus has already done it for us. And when God looks at us, he doesn't kind of see the history of our sins. He doesn't see all the stuff that we've done against him, all the things that we've kind of thought about others, all the websites we've looked at, all the times we've kind of talked behind others back. God God doesn't see that if we trust in Jesus. He sees us with clean hands. He sees us as his kids. He actually sees us in the same way he sees his son, Jesus. Perfect. What incredible love is that? I know, like heaps of you guys, you've heard that before. You know, you've heard lots of analogies before. You've probably never heard that that one before, that we were hand mutilators. You've probably never heard that before. Has anyone heard that before? Right. We're hand-mulators, but we've become saints. We've become saints. Do you guys really believe that? Do you guys really believe that? Because only if we really believe that, that we've really done something so atrocious to Jesus, that we begin to understand just how good grace is, just actually what holiness is, just actually what it means for us to be saints. And only then can we remember, can we do the second thing. The second thing starts with R, is to respond. We need to respond with the heart and pray for each other. Check out Paul's prayer. He's from jail, remember? Maybe, you know, he's probably been beaten up, he's sore, he's probably struggling to write. And he says in verse 7, sorry, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for you. I always pray with joy. He's thinking about this church in Philippi, and he's praying with joy. He's in jail, and yet he's filled with joy. Keep reading. Jump down to verse 7. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains, kind of another way of saying in jail, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, long, how I long for you, how long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus? See, Paul, he knows who he is. He knows that he's a saint. He's been made clean. See, Paul, he's done things probably worse than any of us will do. He killed Christians for a living. And yet he met Jesus and he changed his life. 
but he knows just how good he's got it. And only when you know how, when you know how good something is, then you, you can celebrate, you can rejoice with others. You 12s, you know, we know, we know what it feels like when you kind of finally finish that exam on that last day. That feeling, like you don't know kind of what it's like until you finally do it. Leaders, I think most of the leaders have finished here as well. We can, we can engage with you guys. We can share. We can rejoice with you because we know just how good it is. See, in the same way, Paul, you know, he had a horrific life before he met Jesus. And yet he knew just how good he had it because he was forgiven. I mean, this is why he's so stoked for others. You can see this is why he has them in their heart. He's praying with them with joy. You can kind of almost picture him in jail and yet smiling because he can just recall all these people that have been saved. It's like, dear God, I thank you. Thank you for Ben, for Harry, for Derek. I thank you for Gabby. I thank you for Brooklyn. I thank you for all these people that have been saved. You can kind of picture Paul in jail just thanking God for each of these men and women in Philippi because he knows that they've been saved in the same way he has. For us, we don't have to kind of go and rack up more sin, do jerk things to kind of experience that. No, no, check out verse 7. Paul says, All of you share in God's grace with me. See, not, not everyone in Philippi was a murderer. I'm sure they had you know, their own versions of of Jacob Ryans or Harry Van Vlees. They're own nice guys as well. But they all shared in God's grace with Paul. They all shared in God's grace with Paul. You know, some of us, we're the nice guy, we're the nice girl. That's good. But we need to remember that we also deserve death. It's like we've shoved Jesus' hand in the blender. But God... God should have judged us. But some of us here, though, we're not the nice guy. We're not the nice girl, and we know that. I mean, some of us here, we've got lots of things that we're not proud of at all. In fact, lots of things that perhaps very few people in the world know about. Things that we've thought about others, things we've done to others, things in our past that we can't even bear to recall. Sometimes we're thinking, man, I'm not even sure if God will love me. I'm not sure if I kind of meet the mark, the criteria. Not like those leaders or those people on stage or in the band or the prefects or whatever it is. Like, my life is so different to them, we think. No, no, guys, nothing. The Bible says time and time again, nothing can cut us off from God's love. If you are genuinely a Christian, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, check out what verse 4 says. This is why Paul's so stoked. Verse 4, he says, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, once Jesus starts working on our hearts, he doesn't give up. See, unlike us, Jesus doesn't bail on stuff. You know, instead of bailing on going to the cross, he actually did a U-turn and walked towards Jerusalem. You can read about that in Luke 9. Jesus... On the night before he was killed, he said to God, not my will, but your will be done. See, Jesus, he went through with it for you and I. He doesn't bail on stuff. 
And so once he starts working on your heart, once you've genuinely put your trust in him, he's not going to let go. See, sometimes we kind of think of him as, you know, God the Father. You know, he's kind of like, you know, we're, we're kind of like his kids. And so we're, we're just trying to hold on for dear life. You know, we've got a, you know, like a kind of dad with a big hand and we're little kids. And we're just trying to hold on. And, you know, if I keep holding on, if I keep doing the right things, if I keep coming to youth, keep reading the Bible, keep ticking these boxes, then, yeah, I'll keep being a Christian. But actually, the Bible says something different. The Bible says that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion. It's as though God's got these monster mitts and he just like locks you in. He's not going to let go. God is not going to let go. He's promised it here. If you're a Christian, if you genuinely put your trust in him, he won't let you go. And that's why Paul's stoked. Because God's going to keep working on us until we're finished products, until we're in heaven. He's constantly praying for others, giving thanks to what God's doing, because he can see people through God's perspective, not through ours. Imagine, right, imagine if I got these glasses, right? Do they belong to anyone? Anyway, I found them in lost property. I don't know if anyone's missing the glasses, right? Wow, I can't even see anything. Okay, imagine if I had these glasses, right? And imagine if they actually worked um, for me. And, you know, imagine if I could suddenly see. I could suddenly see, like, you know, I was kind of walking around, couldn't see anything, and I put in these glasses, right? This is kind of like what Paul's done. Paul, he was blind, and he could see. Paul had this perspective. He looked at the church in Philippi, and he could see them through spiritual eyes. See, they were just an ordinary group of people. But unlike the world, he actually saw that God was doing an incredible work. That's why he stoked with them. You know, I wonder how you feel about people when you walked in here tonight. I wonder how you felt about your Christian brothers and sisters. You know, when you came to G-teams. You know, do you kind of just think, look at them through how the world does? You think, oh, yeah, that, that person's kind of cool, they're funny, you know, they've got a good, um, good fashion sense, they don't wear joggers and jeans, I don't know. Like, do you kind of see people through how the world um, sees them? You know, that, that guy's got their pace, so I'll try and get lists from them. That guy's cute, that girl's hot. Is that how you see people? Or do you think, man, that person knows Jesus. That person became a Christian on fat last year. That person is my brother, my sister. If we really get this, then here's what will happen. It will make us respond in deep-filled prayer for each other. See, every single person in this room that is a Christian has been miraculously saved by God. It's a miracle. Some people say God doesn't do miracles. No, if anyone here is a Christian, that is a miracle. We've been moved from death to life. We've been saved. But it's not as though once you're saved, it's like, sweet, I'm done. My life as a Christian is, that's, that's pretty much it. No, no, no. Being a Christian is far more than just getting your little ticket into heaven. Being a Christian is about having a relationship with the king of the universe. Being a Christian is about becoming more and more like Jesus each day. Check out Paul's prayer in verse 9. He says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. He prays that the church, his Christian brothers and sisters, would grow in love more and more as they continue to get to know God more and more. 
Why? Well, keep reading in verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. See, Paul's concern is not so they just know more and more stuff, but so they're loving and they're getting to know God so that they can live out the lives and glorify Him as He made them to. He wants them to become more and more like Jesus, and so he prays for them. He prays for them. What a prayer. You guys ever prayed like that before? I remember I caught up, I caught up with Nick the, like a few weeks ago, and we read this, read this passage, and I was, I was just thinking, man, like my prayers look so different to this. Like I don't often pray that people would just continue to be growing in love and that their knowledge of God would just abound. Like that's just quite different from my prayers. And so I was challenged. I hope you're challenged as well tonight. And I think I was challenged because my view of God was far too small. Now, I wasn't putting on these glasses, the spiritual glass, to see how God sees, how Paul sees. Who wants some money? Yep. Do you want... I'll give you all the money I've got in my wallet, right? All the money I've got in my wallet. There you go. 20 cents. That's all I've got. Sorry. Sorry. You can have a, um, you can have a, bo- a $4 boost voucher. Would you like that as well? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Who wants another $4 boost voucher? Yeah, there you go. Whoever that goes to. There you go. That's about all I got. So I got pretty exciting. We're giving away the big stuff tonight. Now, imagine, Sam, if I didn't give you 20 cents or whoever that hit in the face. Sorry about that. Um, imagine if I didn't give you 20 cents, but imagine... If somehow I mustered up 20K. Like, if I gave away $20,000, you would remember tonight. Sam would remember tonight. <laughs> it, would be, it would be memorable. It would be a memorable evening. Um, but if I gave away, like, a ridiculous amount of money, which I don't have, by the way, <laughs> um, Sam's response would be incredibly different to what it is now. Sam's response would be incredibly different to what it is now. And I think our prayer life can sometimes be a reflection of our response towards God. I think sometimes we kind of think that God's just chucked 20 cents at us. But actually, no. God has done an incredible thing. God's paid a ridiculous debt, far more than 20K. God's given us all he has, his son, so that we can be friends with him. And so what does your prayer life look like? And what does your prayer life in particular look like for others? Look around the room for a sec. Just look around. Look around, look around, say hello. Hey, have you ever, have you, serious question, have you ever given thanks to God for that person you looked at? Have you ever asked, maybe the person across the room, have you ever asked that person, hey, what can I pray for you? Have you ever prayed with that person? Why don't you ask some of those things tonight? Maybe it'll feel a little bit awkward. It's kind of something that you haven't really done before. But actually, this is pleasing to the God of the universe. God loves it when we do this. But also by praying for people, it actually helps us to love others. I don't know if you ever had kind of a grudge against someone and tried to pray for them. It's actually quite hard. But if you actually do it, then God, he just melts your heart and just changes your perspective towards other people. If you can actually pray for others. 
Even there might, there's, I bet there's a bunch of people in this room that you probably feel quite neutral about. You probably don't really know them that well. And that's okay. But why don't you just give thanks? If there's someone that maybe encouraged you tonight, why don't you go home and just give thanks? Give thanks to God, that, that person that was singing you know, joyfully. Give thanks to that person that let me in as I bought a milkshake tonight. Like whatever it was, just something little. Just give thanks to God that there's actually a whole bunch of people here that I don't know. And let me encourage you. I want to encourage the girls in particular, but I want to encourage everyone, right? We've noticed, the leaders have talked about this, we've noticed that disciple time, which is what we do after most, most talks, we have disciple time. We're loving how good it's going this year. Compared to last year, like it's just going heaps better. And it's really encouraging to see you guys get together and often, especially the girls, often the girls are just praying, you're praying. We're kind of saying, hey, we're wrapping up, we're going to move to the next thing. And you girls like don't want to leave. Like it's so good. It's so encouraging girls seeing what you guys are doing. Seeing you guys love just getting to know each other, praying for each other. It's awesome. Guys, you're doing it too as well. Um, not as much, but, but keep going. It's good. Um, I've, I've seen a bit of it. It's, it's getting there. But um, it's awesome to see just genuine friendships happening. And so here's the last thing though. The third R that, that will help us be a genuine community of love. Thirdly, and this will be much quicker, we are to relish what is to come. And I could have used, I could have used the word froth because that's kind of got an R in it. You know, the, the, th- the three R's, writing and arithmetic, they don't even start with R. So I could have gone with frothing, but relish. We're to relish what is to come. Yeah, there you go. Froth would have been harder to pull off a pun like that. So most of us, so Christians, right? Christians, we're to be the most joyful people on earth. If we realize actually what God's done, and if we actually realize the hope we have for the future, we should be the most joyful people on the coast because we've got the best news. I mean, many of us, we're longing for the day when we finish school, and what freedom will that be? How good is that going to be? But man, how many of us are longing for the return of the King? How many of us are longing to be with Jesus and all God's people forever? Then we can have an epic party that lasts forever with the guy who made the universe. How good is that going to be? We've seen already in verse 6 that God will complete his good work. He's promised to us. He's not going to let our hand go. But check out also Paul's view of eternity and how it shapes his love for his people now. Verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. See, this crew of people in Philippi, Paul realizes he's literally soulmates with. He can't wait for heaven. He can't wait for heaven to spend eternity with his brothers and sisters. We're going to see more of that next week. But he's got, it says he's got the affection of Jesus. And the Bible describes Jesus longing for us as well. He, Jesus is described as the husband, kind of waiting for his bride, the church, to come. Check out Paul's prayer in verse 9. See how he's rejoicing. In eternity shapes his love now. In verse 9, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, the day of Christ, when he returns, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. See, Paul, he's got this eternal perspective. He's praying for them through spiritual eyes, his prayers that get to know Jesus more and more, and that this will help them, this will get them ready for the day of Christ for heaven. See, Paul, he's writing this with horrific circumstances. He's in jail. You know, he's, he's in jail, he's getting beaten up, he's not getting much to eat. 
and yet he's able to rejoice. He's able to rejoice. He's able to relish what he has in eternity in Jesus because he knows who he is. He's hanging out for heaven. And we should be frothing on the fact that we've got heaven waiting for us. Let me ask you this. Can people see that you're excited about heaven? Can people, do people know that? Is that kind of one of the things that, that your non-Christian friends kind of notice about you? Or is your hope just caught up purely here on earth? Maybe with your HSC marks or your uni course you want to get into or just having good times here with mates. Or maybe in a relationship. Is that kind of where your hope is? Is that what people see gets you excited, gets you up out of bed? Guys, all these things, they're not bad things. Like they're good things, good gifts from God. But we've got Jesus We've got the King of the universe as our Lord and Savior. So how do we be a genuine community? By remembering exactly who we are, by responding in prayer from the heart, and by relishing what is to come. Guys, let's rejoice in our own way. Let's start the party now. Then the world, the youth on the Central Coast, will know that there's something different about us.